Hey universe, it's uh, Sunday night. It is uh, 11.36. It is the 27th of February. And I am at episode 93. Which means I've got to do a review of episodes 83 through 92. Or at least this is the format that I have been following and will be following here shortly. But in listening to the last 10, I'm, I'm rather pleased with the overall 10. I mean, to the point where if somebody were going to listen to just 10 episodes to get a feel for what I'm trying to do, I'd probably point them to those. So either A, I think I'm getting better at delivering things that are listenable. B, I've got better material in the last 10 than I've had in any of the other 10 run episodes before. Or C, I've been somewhat coming around to the point where I know I'm going to put this on uh, some podcast or whatever distribution networks that uh, will allow for me to send people over to download it, but will also allow for public consumption. But this is not something I expect the public to consume. But because someone can, I think I have been trying to encapsulate the the primary themes and messages I'm trying to share granularly, obviously 93 episodes in, um, in more of a, here's my take kind of way. And uh, I say that because I heard more substantive um, connections in these last 10 than I think I had, not necessarily across the entire last group of recordings, but in any other review I had done for sure. And like, for instance, the very first one on the list here is there's a lot of... Um, a lot of comfort in me now with the words I love you or I love you guys or I love that you do that or if you would do that that I love all of the ways that I am now comfortable saying I love you I find it spilling out of my mouth at times when I have just wanted to express my connection to uh, even a uh, not established community or a connection that is nothing but uh, a concept. I would love this to happen. I would love to see us have more of this in us. I would love to be more like this myself. I would love to emulate that person's um, capacity to do this, to find synonyms for capacity. And in all of that love, I never ever feel like I'm thoughts and prayers it ever so what it started making me question is since I've always had what I will call an addictive approach to love when I thought I might be in the neighborhood where that convenience store item could possibly be for sale under the cashier stand back behind the manager's desk but I, my hmm, my attachments personally 
when it came to the relationships that had some some staying power were always um, jump into the deep end. And again, I am someone who likes to experience something I enjoy as much as as much as much as possible as much as possible until I literally can't do it anymore. And I believe that that is the 20 month um, fuse to a powder keg of of John um, shenanigans that is I don't know if I can change that. And I, I don't know that I didn't love all my ex-girlfriends. I really don't know that they would say I didn't because I was I, well, I was certainly into the relationships. And I was always someone who wanted every moment that we spent together to be meaningful. Now, is that too much pressure to put on a relationship? Yeah, of course it is. And would that lead to uh, scenarios in which I would overwhelm anybody of reasonable responsiveness to uh, building communication skills, trust, and emotional content when it comes to uh, meeting other people and taking it easy? Sure. So those people would just run away from me. Um, and then the other group of people who could stick around were either A, damaged people, um, because I could certainly help you feel that it wasn't your fault, or um, people who were just like me. And I'm not saying that's not a damaged person either, but I mean people who were recklessly enthusiastic about doing whatever was on their mind in the immediate moment and not really giving a damn about the consequences. I only ran into three of them. Well, I mean, I only dated three of them. And by the third one, I knew what I was getting into. And I really wanted the third one to be the end of it. Meaning, I wanted that one to be either the, the one where we both turn into um, um, some phoenix rising from the ashes of our own past or we ignite in some sort of um, um, star-filled fateful um, inferno of passion realized too intensely and we almost saw those outcomes um, but oh all right no good sorry I'm going to hit pause here because you don't deserve to go through my clumsiness. Unpause. Um, hang on, I think I have to cough. Unpause. And I was right, so. Uh, if you can, for the first time in your life, look inside yourself for some deceit around using the phrase, I love you, I love you, or just some casual um, generosity and it's um, timing, then find nothing but genuine and truly um, heartfelt sentiment that you would 100% stand by in the case of having to defend yourself for phrase uttered, 
that's a new place to be. Because I've never been somebody who didn't have at least a little, um, a little strategy in my emotional um, uh, trolling. That's not trolling like Yahoo. I'm more mean throwing out I love yous to the cosmic universe for nothing but the reward of knowing that you love the cosmic universe feels like you're trolling for some energy of return, uh, reinforcement, I don't know. And yet, I'm not in any way scheming or strategizing how to convince myself that it's true. It is true. And when I used to do those maneuvers, and I would do this a lot, this was, this, if you're doing it, stop. Let me explain this behavior and never do it again. If you hear yourself doing this as something that's a pattern for you, ugh, this was the hardest pattern for me to stop. And to this day, I still am tempted to throw them out for no good reason. But I would use statements of, um, let's take an easy one. If you uh, tell somebody that you have already picked up the buns for the burgers that you're going to bring to the picnic, um, so they think that task has been checked off the list and it's just a matter of you showing up because the buns are already in the car, well then you are insinuating that something completed that you are expected to bring is now done. And since it's not, whatever hiccups can occur in you now fulfilling that little uh, chore are going to occur. And at some point, you'll have set yourself into a position where that task is not done, nor will it ever get done. Um, so if you're sending statements into the universe as encouragement for you to follow through and get that done, you're making everything possible harder on yourself by not saying, my intentions are this, which means I still haven't completed that bun running chore, but since I have to get gas, I will pick them up then and be on my way, is a much different statement than, oh yeah, I already have the buns, because you intend to get them when you go to the gas station. When you find out the gas station is closed because their power is out, and that's the only place to get buns on the way to where you were going, well, now you're going to end up faking an accident and all kinds of shenanigans. Well, I mean, if you're Johnny, I know, not everybody plays Russian roulette with their own next hour and 15 minutes of chancy life like I do, but some of us do, and if you do, that's a stressful way to go through life, so consider whether or not you could stop that and just ease on out of those negative patterns. All right, uh, to... Uh, I, I'm unclear in a section that I talk about clearing way for my quirkiness to flourish. I kind of meant that. Um, but what I meant is that uh, I was always um, trying to assume, um, I either was trying to, to groom myself to be something that would fill a role, or I was trying to uh, uh, cut back some of the insecurities and, and uncertainties that I felt were so painfully obvious as I, um, as I stumbled my way through, uh, interactions with other people. I, um, I just, 
I never knew how to embrace a version of myself to aspire to uh, to maintain and maximize. I I was smart, but I wasn't smart when I got to college. I met some people who showed me what hard work, good study habits, committed uh, uh, extracurricular attention, and dedication to academics over the long haul really looked like. They didn't look like some dude in Colorado who went to a public school and did two hours of homework on nights when he had oh so much homework. I didn't want it to look like. Nope. And so by the time I was a junior, and not only wasn't one of the top 50% smartest people at the institution I was attending, but was also one of the bottom 5% of the students in terms of my study habits and ability to, uh, to work productively on an entire semester's worth of, of coursework, I had to learn that stuff. And I basically proved how much I had to learn it with how poorly I did my freshman and sophomore years. Freshman year, I can blame on partying. Sophomore year, I can blame on being so far behind and having such poorly developed habits that I basically had to teach myself how to be a good student. And by the time junior year rolled around, I was so far behind the eight ball that I had to essentially study 24 hours a day. Uh, there was never an hour in which I was wondering if there wasn't something I could be getting done for class, for my major, for my academic situation, other than earning money to live or sleeping. And I, uh, what are you going to do? I didn't understand how smart and capable the most motivated and dedicated among us with the skill sets that can realize those dreams look like till I got to college. And it was, it wasn't uh, that I couldn't, that I couldn't hold my own in the situation with the skills and abilities I brought to the table, but I was unpolished. I was over my head in the self-evaluation uh, side of what I believed I was capable of. And I was um, unaware of the, the gap I had created by essentially dismissing my first year of academic work. And so the last two years of college were not fun because I had to, uh, I had to dedicate myself maybe more than ever in life again to just achieving the goal of getting through the degree I had chosen. And that was not a position I'd ever been in before. It was definitely humbling. And it was, at least for once, an experience where 
I realized that making things harder on yourself than you have to is something of a pattern for me. And I had learned my lesson, I thought, this time. But no, it was just the beginning of realizing, oh, this pattern, I will stretch to its limits. Hang on. Oh, I guess I can pause. Hang on. All right, let me pause. Um, no more academic sidewinding. I didn't even mean to be here. Um, so I'm not sure why I allowed myself to get here. I'm not even sure if I mentioned that I added a preamble to my, um, to help address uh, my mistakes on the simulation episode. If you are listening currently, the simulation episode is episode uh, 69 in the entire run. I believe it is episode 20. No, I think it is episode 19 of this series. And uh, I do know that I have put a warning notice in the comments and I have put uh, a uh, C comments note on the title. So I have done what I can to flag my error for those who might uh, have to uh, listen to that episode in its tainted form so that they hear the correction before they run into the misinformation. And yet, I did not re-record the episode. I still regret that I didn't do it that way, but this is my... If you tackle subject matter that is challenging, trying to deliver something that allows the challenge to be reduced so anyone listening will at least feel like they now understand what all that is about, you cannot have fundamental errors like Albert Einstein is on team non-locality. So I am addressing my error again here because if I ever have a uh, recreational softball league team that I have to come up with a name, they are going to be Einstein is not on team non-locality. Maybe we'll just be not on team non-locality and then we will have all of our jerseys say Einstein. It's just, it is as wrong a statement as you can make trying to help someone understand that issue. And so for any of that to sit there is to invite someone else to say, ah, uh, 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 I know I'm right. This is what I heard. I even have it written in my notes. And to, hmm, to be confident in an error that you created. And I'm aware of that. So should I re-record that whole thing? Probably. But it is my faith in the universe and the people who will put up with all the other mistakes I have made that by taking the steps I have taken to make sure that no listening of that, uh, of that recording can happen without you being aware of the error that's there, well, the only other step I will take uh, if that becomes a point of confusion is to just um, 
record over the error with text that corrects it. Um, that will be clumsy, but if that's the step I have to take, I will take it. Um, Alright, I need to get through the rest of this rather quickly because I can see some dense ones, including the next one, so I'm just going to address this one quickly. And that is that um, I speak of myself being on the same scale as Bill Cosby. There's a sliding scale there that I don't think our actions are all that far apart. Whenever you're being dismissive of somebody in a union of, um, of sexual behavior, if the other uh, partner or partners with whom you are, uh, you are uh, <clears throat> engaged are not clearly uh, being communicated with and having the opportunity to do the same, uh, then that line moves from just being a jerk who talks over everybody um, to being somebody who takes advantage of a situation for their own gratification, to being somebody who forces somebody into a situation for their own gratification, to being somebody who takes somebody out of their own capacity to decide in their gratification, participation or not, to somebody who, I suppose, diminishes the life capacity to the point of death. But, let's not, I mean, in other words, I do think it's a sliding scale. It's all about thinking you're more important and better than the person you're with. That your needs have priority over everything else that might be happening. That you'll get yours and whatever else happens, happens. And it is the, it is the way men are both misled to think is um, is virile because you are overwhelmed as a male human being at least this is my experience I can't speak for any other male because I've never had this conversation with anybody including the universe but you are overwhelmed with nothing but thoughts of sexual deposit from the time you are roughly 16, 17 until somewhere in your 40s. It is such a driving force of your waking state that I believe most men, if they're honest, who are listening will admit to having multiple double-digit masturbation days. And this is the sort of um, of hedonistic fulfillment that our messaging drives us to intensify. And this isn't an excuse. Just like it's not an excuse that you feel judged as women for many uh, outward characteristics that, frankly, are, number one, totally unfair, and number two, something you have very little control, if any control, over at all. 
and so your messaging can lead to feelings of not pretty enough, um, not tall enough, uh, not buoyant enough hair, not lustrous enough hair, not curly enough hair, too curly hair, too blankety blankety blank. Just like guys can think, I do everything I can and nobody loves me. And I've got all this energy to recreate one of me and nobody wants it. I am unlovable. And it's such nonsense, bullshit, messaging, mind, washing, brain, scattering, thought, destroying, self-loathing programming that no one deserves. And I have no idea why it's so effective. I can't imagine going through the puberty years of my life again. I want nothing to do with it. <clears throat> I, I left most of the good parts of myself behind and put and put the needs of my desires, number one, number two, and I don't know that there was a, a, a length of list that you could go through before you'd get to the end of it being about me. Now, I just assumed that this meant I was, uh, I was still ready to meet the person who would make it about us. And obviously that was never going to happen. Everybody that I had a chance to make it about us was terrific. I had, if I look back, I had four or five women I could have married that would have been great. I have another 15. I could have just stumbled into that kind of relationship, accidentally gotten pregnant and ended up married and had a terrific partner for life. And I have another 30 behind that that I could say, well, eh, you know, could I have had uh, uh, some, some, uh, some accommodations to make to maximize the potential of the relationship? Sure. But that's what marriage is about. And then I have 20 that were flat out mistakes. So... The four or five at the top are the cream of the crop. Like, if I'd have been stupidly lucky enough to put a ring on any of their fingers, I think maybe I could have stayed in a marriage of purpose and become something of value to a woman of that level of potential. But could they have sustained that little journey with me? Uh, probably not. <laughs> you know? So it seems like uh, no matter how much I would have gotten into a situation where the best possible outcomes were there, if I could have just held my head above water 
I don't know that I even had that in me. And I don't know that I knew that. I think by the time I'd been through a few uh, relationships of, of what I felt were significance and found myself cheating in all of them, I started to believe I had, um, I had issues with intimacy, maintaining intimacy or whatever, because I didn't cheat right away. Not at all. Nope. I would cheat after, say, 14 months when things were starting to get serious. Uh, and instead of being able to be honest about it and say, I'm sorry I did this, I would hide it. And then by the 20th month, uh, everything would unravel in some sort of Three's Company sitcom fashion. But there was no laugh track. Nope. Nope. There was a bunch of broken stuff and me making phone calls in a hurried fashion, seeing if I could get some immediate accommodation because nothing was ever planned. I was always just hoping that things would unravel at a future date other than today. And even as notices of eviction or whatever were starting to appear, I still thought, well, if there's a one in 10 million chance that this can work out, how am I not the one in 10 million? And so I go through life, I guess because I'm a white male American, thinking uh, it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. It'll just work out. It's pretty much how I bop through life. Well, it hasn't worked out yet, but that's only because uh, I've been um, underachieving in my career aspirations. Maybe I should look for a more... Um, uh, more reputable uh, career to get involved with or maybe I need to go back to school or maybe I need to shake things up and move to a new city or maybe I need to whatever instead of thinking how is it that the patterns in life keep repeating in a way that I'm finding no success no fulfillment and no direction to point my um, my energy for better outcomes now started you know abusing harder and harder drugs started having more reckless encounters and started thinking that if anything um, was being reinforced about me it was that chaotic universes produce some chaotic circumstances for us humans to experience because it wasn't until I was ready to say that my life had been a complete misfit of my own doing that I was ready to um, to say there doesn't need to be all the chaos so I don't even know where I ended up diverting on that one I'm not even sure what I just said, but I know that because of all that, and because again, I have no idea what it's like except to take the easiest possible manifestation of opportunities here and essentially find them so elusive you can't even point yourself toward them well what does somebody like Bill Cosby a man who broke into comedy 
a black man who broke into comedy in the 50s and 60s going through. And I am not here to justify Mr. Cosby. I'm here to say that I see the weakness of myself wherever I want to look. And when I was ensnared in the worst opinions of myself and had no reason to think otherwise, then all I saw were activities that I felt I was lucky hadn't gone worse. So not only could I sense my own capability to fulfill outcomes for myself and other people that were um, painful, I thought I could have even been more harmful. And so when I think of how little static I ever faced in terms of true dismissive attitudes toward me, I don't understand why I was always such a failure when it came to just being myself. And I, I took a long time to answer that question. And I finally did. But I'm not going to answer it tonight. But I want you to know that if all your patterns are cycling back similarly to a point where here you go, starting the same old thing, hoping it'll work out better, it's your fault. And if you can't work your way back through the events and mindsets that you were uh, that you were comfortable with in these routines that led to these outcomes and then change those this next time around, you will have exactly the same result. And worse, your in, as the more of these you go through, without recognizing that you're enabling a pattern of repetitive outcomes that aren't working for you, the more likely you are to make them habits that will become who you are. So not only should you be checking on any rhythms that seem recycling in ways that you recognize them and they've been ineffective in your life before, you have to treat yourself then as the agency for why they're ineffective. All right. This might be the worst recording of all time. Enjoy. I'm going to now race through these like a lightning round because I am too stoned and obviously weary from the weekend to even keep track of the words I am using, let alone the concepts I am trying to convey. So for all of my nonsense that you have just endured, well, let's talk about this one. Uh, let's... Uh, 60-45 and 30. Uh, of those numbers, I am 30 days away from missing the 3-2 uh, drinking age more than I am 45 or 60. So I, when I'm inaccurate with dates, especially dates that uh, I haven't admitted to, uh, I don't know why I'm inaccurate with them. It's weird. But uh, 
that was another reason I felt for Scott. I knew only one other person who had made the drinking age 3-2 cutoff um, closer than myself um, with him missing it 30 days later. It was such an arbitrary thing to have one of my really good friends have to go through. Um, I just, to this day, I still think about the injustice that it was to turn somebody at the age of 18 into an outsider. And that's exactly what they did to every kid born in August. They should have let everybody from August to October grandfather in. They should have been the cool kids who were ahead of the game than the little tail group that got chopped off unnecessarily. It was horseshit. And I still think that way. Obviously, it still irks me. <laughs> Sorry, Scotty. Scooter, you had a better... Um, you had a better karmic rainbow than that, so I have no idea why you got snagged in that little net. But probably because you had enough wherewithal not to let it damage who you are, I would have probably crumbled and fallen down into a sand pit of despair. But nope, instead I got drunk and then drunker and then drunker because I was 18 had my license. Could go drink it thirsties and after the gold rush yippee drinking isn't the um the social uh lubricant that i'm pretending it is here um but it's that you can't participate it's that you're excluded you know you just it's 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 ridiculous it'd be like um designating a a, a cutoff for people to use uh, smartphones. Uh, if you're, if you are, if you were born after 2009, uh, January 1st, 2009, then you no longer get to use smartphones until you have, uh, turned 30. What? Yep. I mean, yeah, I get it. Move on. Uh, I call, oh, at one point I say, I call my ex a blankety blank. I've, I called her the C word apparently more than once and those are the last two times i've ever used that word and uh as far as i know um i have uh no other blackout incidents where i've even gotten uh testy but i have one blackout incident where not only did i uh, break up with my girlfriend who it was her birthday um and i liked her i i mean that is the biggest question mark of a night in my life that I have because I have I know what everyone tells me I did but I have no explanation whatsoever for my behavior nor do I have any motivation to justify all the things that I'm told are what I did I I had essentially an outrageously angry night at somebody who I liked I don't know I don't know but those are the kinds of things that um, that have you really start wondering if you need to be isolated from everybody else. Those are nights that start convincing you that you might be more problem than society should have to accept. You convince yourself that those types of behaviors that you are blocking away from direct recollection are such 
such denial levels of of fearing who you really are that maybe that decision needs to be put in other people's hands it was it was it is to this day um, a shaking experience that I will never obviously probably be able to adjust to not think about but <clears throat> It has made me stand up for a better world and expect more from myself. So perhaps it has that echo in its favor. All right, did I miss anything on here? Um, kids might have knocked. Uh, I don't know. Do you fix? Oh, I say something that I fixed twice. I don't believe you fix something twice. I believe you repair the job you did poorly the first time. And that is a fair statement because that describes what I did. Um, I also talk about I have no issue being the person who takes the extra shot and, uh, and um, is... Uh, if there is a contentious situation where I find myself... Uh, disagreeing with somebody over anything, unless I know 100% I'm right, which I do at times, so does everyone. But if it, there is a gray area to be had here, I am not one to force my hand and say, I, I, uh, this is what it is. Um, no, as a matter of fact, one of the things that I always want is to think, have I, have I not considered something in this scenario that I should have? Um, in fact, that hesitancy, that self-doubt, that uh, lack of ultimate confidence in many ways has been a deciding factor head-to-head -head in situations because I will concede in the moment to reflect that I don't overstep um, and have to apologize. I'd rather come back and say, this is how I have considered things since, than I am sorry for saying things that I don't even mean. Um, but I'll tell you, I'm one to uh, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Um, and that has changed drastically since I feel like there's a world out there of people who are uh, certainly not going to permit uh, the, the sort of actions that need to be taken. So if you're not ready to um, make a move in the good uh, faith of it needing to get made and you the agent that needs to make it. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of that uh, backbone, but I don't feel much maneuvering lately that isn't 100% with that momentum. So that is definitely a good change. Um, but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't take two, three, four hits before standing firm and saying enough because I have no need for a situation like that to occur unless there is no other way <laughs> that it can be dealt with and that for whatever reason the simulation decided to enforce and I suppose in a month I will be able to explain why. But for now, I just know that I am still confident that should I relive last week, 
I can do nothing but exactly what I did in the situation I was put in. And with that kind of confidence, I stand newly um, 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 engaged with a world that used to force me to think at some level it was probably my fault. Nope. Not in the least. Uh, okay, I said girls three times when I met women. I'm starting to keep track of that. I thought I had that one pretty much uh, uh, thrust away from usage in the wrong situations. But no, I find myself saying it in ways that I'm like, come on, man. So that will improve. I also used women three times when it should have been women. So I was three, four, three against. That is terrible. That should be no worse than five to one because the society makes it very hard not to pick up some misogynistic lingo. I'm not saying I can't have a goal of eradicating it entirely, but it needs to reduce. Because when you say boys will be boys, that is not in any way diminishing men as a category that they are judged unjustly uh, for things that are irrelevant to what truly is there to be judged. Boys will be boys is as... Uh, as light a reference to the masculine uh, insecurities as grass is green. They, they don't even compare. So you don't get to say girls because you say boys. You don't get to say girls unless you're talking about girls. And then you can say girls. When you are talking about women, you don't call them girls. That sounds misogynistic. And when I hear it, it makes me bristle. So I am working to stop it. That pickup truck we were riding around in, we were not sitting down in the back of that truck. We were standing up, in case that's not clear. We were holding on to the running lights that ran on the top of the cab, and we were facing directly and forward. Um, we did not have hats. Uh, we did, actually, we were using leather work gloves to get a good grip so that we had something stable um, on which to hold ourselves because if you're standing in the back of a pickup truck and going around corners at 40 miles an hour, there's actually quite a bit of force that you will experience now, nowhere near enough force to pretend that that isn't manageable, but it was so cold, so, 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 so cold. Okay. Uh, I have something I can't explain because I have left one dog off the list of dogs I've mentioned. So because I left her off and because she came into my life in a position where in some ways, and I know my mom would say this, she kind of saved my life. Um, I'm going to make her uh, my hero and I'm not going to make her my hero tomorrow when I do my online content providers. Um, nope. I'm going to make her my hero at the end of the series here. I can't believe I overlooked her. And I must have overlooked her so that I'd noticed that she deserves special attention. So I'll be uh, checking in with her um, on episode 44. And uh, at another point in time, I, I speak of situations that uh, offer people no hope. There is no such thing. There are times when you can have created too many... Um, um, too many outcomes that might go wrong that when they all do go wrong, you have no way out. You'll see yourself in that situation. What I'm saying is 
what you think is hopeless still isn't hopeless. And I will never begrudge somebody from pinning themselves in with only a one in a million chance or a one in a trillion or a, that isn't even a chance, chance that they'll recover. Because not only is that my, my ultimate safety net, of course, that never existed, but it was one that I would continually push boundaries on, making that long shot infinitesimally unlikely. And so I do not pretend that you are in a situation where you think you are pinned in until you literally are lifting the bricks off your broken legs that have left you with nothing to do but come clean. Well, uh, I'll still understand. I will 100% understand. I just don't want you to think that if you think you're in a hopeless situation now and you haven't broken your legs, that you can't think yourself out of that. Why break your legs? You don't have to. There's hope. Even if it looks like nothing here can solve the trauma that is coming your way. Yeah, I don't believe that. Neither should you. But I know that at times in my life, I not only believed it, I thought it was the only truth I could hold dear. I was wrong. Uh, I give away the dryer. Duh. Yeah, give away the dryer. How could I have any uh, reservation about doing that? I don't know. But I, I sent some reservation there. So I fixed that. Um, I am. I am still... Not able to answer the question, is life the Adjustment Bureau? It does feel like it. So it certainly felt like it last week. Um, I mentioned at one point that I don't have homosexual thoughts. It sounds like I'm being dismissive of them. I, I'm not. I just don't have them. I don't, um, I don't have a familiarity with having sexually uh, attractive thoughts of men. Do I find other men more attractive than me? Most of them. Do I find other men to seem like the kind of men that women are uh, would build uh, monuments toward? Yes, of course I do. And so I'm not saying I can't understand the attractive capacity that a man might hold in his presence as a human being uh, in 3D space and evaluate it against another of, uh, uh, of many other men, including myself, in the same way. I'm not, I am so sure that my, uh, my heterosexuality is, um, is just the way I'm built that, uh, that I will someday tell you the story that I, the extreme to which I took that to confirm it. Now, that doesn't in any way mean that I don't think that there are bisexual, homosexual, whatever sexual. I am not someone who's here to stop other people from loving and being loved in the universe. I want nothing but the freedom to explore and to experience love. And, um, and I, have, uh, I have, with consenting adults, absolutely zero issues with anybody doing anything. I will never 
ever deny someone their right to happiness in that, in that um, part of being human. When it comes to kids, again, just like in my head with the homosexual thoughts, I have zero attraction to kids. But I don't think pedophiles exist without having those thoughts somehow being in their head. So did they learn those when they got here? Were they born with those thoughts in their head? I'm not about to try to unsnap that uh, challenge. It is not something I'm qualified to speak on. It is not something I understand because I am built with a one-way flow of direct energy toward women. It has always been that way. It has never been different. And when I have wondered if I could make it different, I found out I couldn't. So there is just a level of confidence that when I speak about what I'm attracted to, I am not leaving anybody out, nor am I misrepresenting a group that isn't uh, fairly targeted. I am attracted to women, always have been, expect to always be. The only difference is in the level of intensity that that takes up my day. It's moved from 110% to 10%. That was a good change for me. And the kind of change that I think might be responsible for everything else. So when I say I don't want to go back and relive my puberty years, it's because from 13 to 40-something, I became a version of myself that was dominated by insecurity, self-loathing, disappointing outcomes, and collateral damage. It spun my sense of truth into uh, delusions. It spun my sense of self-worth into um, into needy and codependent, emotionally stunted, fearful, cowardly, hurt versions. And all because I didn't understand that I needed to fix myself, that I wasn't going to be fixed by somebody else. So if what I am saying sounds like maybe something you are enduring, you don't need to be with somebody. Being by yourself isn't a tragedy. Doing things for yourself at a pace that works for your own temporal clock so that you can do the personal growth maybe necessary at your own uh, rhythm. It might be the only road to recovery you have to break the habits that society has rolled you into that keep not working out. I was never meant to marry somebody and spend my entire life next to them. There, there are maybe 11 women on the planet that that would have worked out had I been lucky enough to pick them. For the other 3.6 billion, 4 billion, however many of them there are, nope, it wouldn't have worked out. So 
that was one message that no matter how many times I tried to make my life fit that little uh, storybook ending, it wasn't going to. And any unfortunate enough character to be cast in the role of my uh, significant other was going to end up disappointed and looking for somebody better to help raise her children with some responsibility and the true love and attention they deserve, not the broken version their father kept giving them. So if you're broken, maybe go fix yourself before passing that brokenness on to other people. Uh, now that I have been the preachiest, most, um, uh, hmm, what is it when you think you know how to tell other people how to live their lives? Is that just being, what, Christian? Evangelical Christian? No, of course not. They are, uh, not ones to, um, label themselves as telling other people how to live their lives. They just have the right way to live their life and you're either doing it or you're not. But aren't most religions that way? I don't know. I don't go to talk to rabbis and priests and such, but I might this week. Don't be surprised if I come back with a, with a tale of visiting the organized religious houses of worship and see if I'm better for it. But uh, let's not get into that. Too many other things to cover. And I'm sure I'm leaving stuff off, so I'm just going to run up this list. Uh, uh, I, I need to circle this note because I want to get into the fact that I have really never experienced pain personally. So is all of the pain that I know this universe is overwhelmed with something that is just here to uh, influence me and reverberate in my reality since I've never directly had painful experiences? I both have, both my parents are still alive. Um, I have never really lost any um, uh, sense of um, connection to anybody that mattered in my life. I've never been to, I've been to one funeral and it was for uh, a business associate, uh, it was a business associate of my father's. So again, I'm, I am the most padded, sheltered, little, uh, innocent, non-threatened, never challenged person there is. And, um, and so the, all of the hurdles I ever have um, been challenged by, I have enabled or, um, or intentionally steered toward for reasons that um, I still am not 100% clear on, but have quieted down enough to find myself incapable of even recognizing some of the thoughts that I used to have. I tried to revisit a way to, um, to recollect certain uh, stories that I wanted to go through, um, but the actions I took, I don't know how to, to clarify my thoughts anymore. I know how to clarify my motivations, and I know how to clarify my, um, my weaknesses that enabled the behaviors that ensued, but 
the thoughts I had are so foreign now that all I can say is they were lies, manipulations, or both. And so to recreate them is almost outside of my thinking. And I didn't expect that. Like, I, I just figure I am now in phase four of who I am and can tap into phases three or two at any point. Probably not phase one. Let's say that pre-11 is gone as a thought process. Well, from which to think I can recreate some of what I was thinking. But to think I can recreate what I was thinking when I was 26 and uh, I was breaking up with my girlfriend at, uh, in Boston or whatever situation I want to relive, for the most part, I've always had that tangible connection to the uh, past experience to directly survey my thoughts then versus my thoughts now. Now when I go back trying to have those same sort of A-B analysis moments with myself, I can't recreate the guy that did the things that I was doing. That makes me feel, A, like maybe I have truly moved on and have become a, a, a person I, I know I will remain. Um, or B, that here we are, Mandela effect and all that stuff. I just have trouble going back and finding clear memories and thoughts that I used to be able to access regularly. Now I can't get to them. That's just the evidence. The theories as to why are too many to discuss now. All right, that's enough, right? How long have I gone? 62 minutes. Uh, I'll address these last couple because they're of value. I accidentally had that uh, moment of elation in the slot where I normally place discussion of a hero, but there I'm going to let chance and happenstance say, okay, I'm my own hero. There are days when I will want to listen to that and hear that uh, I have no one to think of as a hero other than myself. And I believe that that little one in a few minutes or f seconds recording um, that is unlike anything I intended to do or have done before or will do probably going forward must be there for a reason. So I'm sure that will be something I play over and over and over again when I need to hear it. Um, uh, I do want to talk some about my communication uh, patterns with other people and my expectation of honesty, truth, and listening skills therein, but I don't want to talk about all that right now. I also want to talk about um, my, um, my conscious recognition of people being unlike themselves, and I think I do somehow get a read that your frequency is vibrating uniquely different today. Um, I do get that read from people and I got that read in that day. I recognize that read. I even paid attention to it. I think my intuition has gotten me to the point where I have, uh, I have insight that I'm ignoring that needs to be addressed. And that day is a crystal clear example of where I think my heightened, uh, trust in myself is serving to give me 
more and more um, data about the people around me and the ways I can be helpful. So those are lessons I will learn as I gain belief that I'm doing the right thing. And I will, of course, err on the side of not making a mistake, not overstepping, then um, missing out on a chance to help. I help enough. I just know that the universe is starting to show me how much more I can help if I start believing in myself. And so here I go. This is what self-belief looks like, universe. 93 episodes of sitting in my room with my dog and my cat talking about whatever I want to talk about. So if I had somebody else involved, would it be more interesting? Of course. But it would be not a confession. It would be a conversation. And I wouldn't have delivered as much unvarnished and and in many ways unexpected disclosure from the the loving self that is here now because I am going to finish with a story I've never told anyone there are people who know this story because obviously I've some people other than myself involved in this story, but um, other than the people who um, I would say I, at the time that, that I did this, I, I'd say it got to around 10 people and that could be delusional. Maybe it's 700. It is high school, but um, I can tell you that I'd never, I've never told anyone. I just didn't have control over two other people who experienced this story um, directly uh, to not share their tale. And um, when you hear stories of young athletes losing their cool, you always think to yourself, well, buddy, you know, you better have... uh, you better have learned that lesson because nobody gets to go through competitive sports with that kind of attitude without suffering the humble pie that comes with it. And, um, and yet this isn't one of those moments because those are moments where an athlete's expectations are perhaps inflated, but the pressures that that any athlete um, can feel from the uh, talent and gift they were given and trying to realize it, the over-domineering parents whose expectations are ridiculous, the um, big brother who was uh, a superstar that you're trying to uh, uh, set your image uh, above and beyond. I don't care what kind of pressures the world of sport can bring you. The only pressure the world of sport ever brought me was um, was whether or not I was going to cost my teammates um, 
a chance at a championship. Since I'd done that once in life, I certainly had to think that my sporting pedigree now was capable of reproducing the result again, so maybe I should start playing sports like tennis and golf where the only one I could let down is my doubles partner or myself. And I was okay at golf, but when I played it more consistently, I got better at it. Good enough to play competitive high school and golf, or and college golf, um, but never good enough to think that uh, that I had some um, some ability to pursue the game professionally. It was never that. Um, so when I would have trouble on the golf course, uh, I was certainly not somebody who could say this is unexpected. No, I was I was. Um, a choker by nature, but I was also um, a person who um, who was so insecure and unsure of myself that when my identity with two other athletes, who one who was a good tennis player, one who was a good soccer player, was to be the good golfer, and on the ninth hole of a round playing with them was currently in third place, needing two strokes to at least tie one of them so as not to finish last in the group. And I chunked a chip behind the ninth green, giving myself no shot even at par other than chipping in. I turned to throw my club into the hillside and let it slip out of my hand. And that's not even the worst part because clearly as the club is... <laughs> Through the, through the air, I can see the trajectory is going to hit my friend. And not only does it hit him, it hits him in his face and knocks him down. I mean, clearly he is hurt. My other friend, who is in my vision enough that I can see him, Let's say there's an equilateral triangle of the three of us. We're 30 yards apart. I see him look at me directly in a look of, did you just do that? Drop everything he's holding and race to the clubhouse. As I stand there, unsure that it's me who did it. Like, I'm so frozen in inaction that... I can't even scream we need help or run to my friend I've just struck. Of course, after two, three seconds, I want to say I can judge how many steps I can see my other friend take down the hill to sort of realize when I got my attention back into the moment of what was happening. And, and by the time, and, and, to fully uh, describe the, the, the damage here, as I run to my friend to see if he's okay, he is stunned clearly because his eyes are, are, are not focused. And as he stands, as he's trying to stand up, he opens his mouth and what I can only describe as a mouthful of blood bloop, spills out. At which point I am terrified that I have done something 
track something da- uh, I I am I wonder at this moment if I'm more worried for my friend or more worried for the scale of 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 um of wrong that I may have just invited upon myself like I don't know I know I hit him in the face with a club a metal club um from 30 yards and 30 might be an exaggeration but 20 isn't um I mean that club probably spun four times three times at least and hit him directly in the face spun around as if perfectly placed to hit him in the face he is unclear I don't even know what to say I don't know how to offer help I'm not even trying to lift him up or I I am literally standing there expecting him to make the next move and that's when my friend returns with what are I don't know a bunch of paper towels out of the men's room and my friend is still bleeding he's still spitting blood out regularly he is feeling his face for damage I have not hit him in the eye that's the only thing I've realized I haven't done. And uh, two other uh, groups of people on the course realize what's happening and come to help. So we're on the ninth hole, fortunately, close to the clubhouse, which means we get help in a matter of, I don't know. He, he gets help enough that... Uh, the only thing um, he, he actually ends up having done are uh, some stitches on the inside of his mouth. And he has a scar that when he smiles gives him a pinched left cheek dimple that is clearly uh, a straight line. In other words, where the club hit him, it hit him below his eye, above his jaw on the fleshy part of his jawline in a place that I can only describe as the one place I didn't really hurt him. And of course I hurt him. And of course I left him with the scarring experience of walking up to the green to mark a ball and getting blindsided by a club thrown from 20 yards away. I mean, the sort of out of the blue knockdown projectile that uh, leads to PTSD. Um, and the sort of realization that this stunning meteor that just struck my face out of nowhere uh, was in fact a spoiled reaction to one more situation of underperforming from somebody who was just ready to whip out whatever self-loathing bricks and mortar I was going to, uh, to, to bring along that day as I was defining myself more and more as somebody who 
wasn't the problem, but was getting problematic results for reasons that couldn't be identified. And clearly that's the biggest delusion I ever suffered, was that it was always something else that was the catalyst to these shameful outcomes. And I'm clearly uh, <clears throat> not I don't know if I have a less proud moment because I can certainly um, look at other actions as perhaps having worse overall lasting impact. But that was the sort of maneuver that if I lived in a universe where my actions, thoughts, motivations, and intentions were always immediately broadcast back to the hive mind, and everybody always knew what everybody had just done and how they were thinking, uh, there would have been no proper reaction except to tell me that I was stripped of my right to ever play the sport again. It was the sort of... Um, it was the sort of display of unsportsmanlike behavior that earns you um, the ban that a sport should provide for failing to follow the very first rule of sport, which is you are here to enjoy the game and not tarnish it because of your choices, performance, or actions in the game itself. If you cannot follow rule one, you cannot play the game. Well, while someone of character and, and makeup other than myself would likely have used this as a learning moment to find a reason to behave better. Well, for me, I'd be adding my gold medal story to this silver medal story just 16 months later. So, not only was I not able to learn from this moment. Well, I had to have worse moments before I started to question if maybe I might want to think of myself as being my own problem. So, I no longer am embarrassed by those stories and for so long they caused me so much shame that I was um, unable to even reconcile them in my own assessment of myself. I just didn't look at them. I, if I ever want to picture that club sailing at my friend's head, it's right there for me. And in fact, I have used that imagery to punish myself because it makes me wince to have to relive 
the feel of that club leaving my hand. I can 100% feel it. I feel it every time I grab a golf club. That I have to hold on to it. Um, because I cannot release the memory of letting go of that pitching wedge. And so if I, if I allow the entire uh, movie to play in my mind, it always leads me to wince at the end. Physically, I can't handle the final burst of memory that comes with watching my friend go down. It still causes me pain. And I don't know that it shouldn't. And yet, I also know that for the longest time, I believed that that defined my sportsman-like attitude, generally. And that is as far from the truth as is possible. I am an extremely gracious teammate and competitor. And I have the uh, insecurity, uncertainty, and disappointment of once again failing in a peer situation that I hoped would be my moment to shine. And the reaction to a shot that has forever cemented my need to be better on the golf course in one devastating package where I'm lucky I didn't kill my friend. That is what that day has given me, taught me, and gives me still. So whenever I am looking back at that day now, I have to wonder why. Because that day will never change, it will never define me, nor will it ever be something that doesn't make me know that when I want to play competitive sports, I want to play them as the best version of myself I can possibly be. I do not accept anything else, and since that day, I've been fortunate enough to be able to live up to that expectation. But that doesn't make that story any easier to have told. So now that I've taken up <laughs> 83 minutes, well, whatever I've forgotten, I suppose, is best left unsaid since it seems like I said everything else, right? <laughs>